0: last week we studied is war moral or immoral and today I want to continue that study with the doctrine of the war part two but first a brief review of some of that learned and then we'll begin new material on page three when time expired last week uh, I just reviewed several verses where the word war appears. We also noted that wars are a result of not heeding God's edict to wield the big stick. Satan has successfully convinced the United States and, and many other nations to reduce their military and seek international ties and treaties instead of military preparedness. This clearly has resulted in a great loss of life and the repeated fighting of, quote, wars to end all wars. Keep in mind, politicians, in the manner of new little puppies, begin wars, and the military has to clean up their collective messes. Jeremiah understood how the permissive will of God had permitted false prophets To deceive Judah. To deceive them into thinking they could resist Babylon's attack. And I'm going to read you Jeremiah 4 verse 10. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, surely thou hast greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, You shall have peace, whereas the sword reacheth. Unto the soul. During the millennium, war will be abolished. Therefore, we know war is not of God. For in perfect environment, there is no war. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. And I'm going to read again. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Until the Lord Jesus Christ returns as the ultimate warrior, nation shall rise against nation. The first act of Christ at his second advent is to defeat his enemies. Quoting now, The blood shall run as deep as the horse's bridle, and then Christ as the victor will judge both Israel and the nations. Revelation 4 verse 19, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it unto the great wine pressed of the wrath of God. Then verse 20, And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Certainly an indication that when Christ sets up His kingdom in the millennium, He will indeed be uh, the ultimate warrior. Alright, the world war, or excuse me, the word war in the New Inter- International Version can be found 134 times. Many wars are mentioned in Scripture. In fact, God commanded Israel to keep a record of those wars. Examples, Genesis 14:2. 2 Avram went to war against Berah, king of Sodom. Bursha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Atmah, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Belah, that is, Zor. In Numbers 31.3, So Moses said to the people, Arm some of your men to go to war against the Midianites and to carry out the Lord's vengeance on them. Numbers 32-6, Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, Shall your countrymen go to war while you sit here? Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt will be with you. And Joshua 4 verse 13, about forty thousand armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. Joshua eleven eighteen. Joshua eleven eighteen. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time. And then Joshua eleven twenty, for it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel. So that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And then Joshua eleven three. So Joshua took the entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. First Samuel. 18 verse, excuse me, 8 verse 12. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and war equipment for his chariots. And then First Samuel fifteen eighteen, And he sent you on a mission saying... Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them un—excuse me. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. And then First Samuel nineteen eight. Once more war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. And Second Samuel 11.1 1. in the spring. At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab about with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah, but David, but David remained in Jerusalem. Numbers twenty-one fourteen. Wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, what He did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. And then Joshua 18, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Right, Joshua 12.1 Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side of Jordan. Jordan rising toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. Romans 13, verse 4 is often misinterpreted as prohibiting war. Certainly you've gathered from a few of the scriptures that I've just read how the Bible is replete with the word war. But there is then that misinterpretation. Alright, Romans 13, 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The military, law enforcement, and the judiciary are the principal protectors of the four divine institutions. These institutions were designed to protect a nation and to offer its citizens peace, prosperity, and stability. As earlier noted, the four are volition, marriage, family, and nationalism. As we noted earlier, one-worldism one, worldism, one worldism was first established by Satan at Babel. It should also be remembered that the boundaries of the nations were established for the needs of Israel. Nations are needed today for the protection of Israel. The gathering of Israel into one land before the Lord's regathering is a satanic trap. A client nation, a nation to God, must therefore protect the Jews living within its borders and develop pro-Semitic policies. Satan has, throughout history, motivated various nations to work at eradicating the Jews. But it is important that there always will be a remnant. Today, that remnant is quite small. Only 13 million Jews in a world of some 7 billion people. The remnant will become even smaller during the Tribulation. When the Antichrist actively pursues their destruction... Nevertheless, God will miraculously protect His chosen people. Several case studies show how God has used the military to protect the nation Israel. For example, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13, reading through verse 15, Therefore I set in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, And their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was, that that was known, and God had brought their counsel to naught. That we returned all to us, to the wall, everyone unto his work. When Jehovah, that is Jesus Christ, led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he told them to to go to the Red Sea and watch him fight for them. Notice Exodus verse four, excuse me, chapter four, verse fourteen. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Exodus 14, verse 14. God told Moses to take Israel around the land of the Philistine because they had not as yet been trained in war. Exodus 13, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land to the Philistines although the land would have been much nearer had they gone directly. Why? Because God said, Let's peradventure the people repent when they see war, and then return to Egypt. God left certain nations in the promised land so that future generations of Israel who had not learned war could be tested. There was a generation who had never fought for their freedoms. Judges chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them more, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Jesus taught King David the art and skill of war. Psalm 18 verse 34 He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Jesus said a wise king seeks advice from his military before going to war. Proverbs 24 verses 5 and 6 5 and 6 a wise man has great power and a man of knowledge increases strength. For waging war you need guidance and for victory many advisers. Luke 14 verse 31 and 32 Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able... He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. God mandated military service for all males 20 years of age except for those with new homes, new businesses, new wives, or they were cows. Notice Numbers 1, 2, and 3. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names every male by their poles. from 20 years old and upward all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. Thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. Deuteronomy 24 verse 5. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year and shall cheer up his wife which he hath taken. Deuteronomy 20, verse 5. Reading. Oh, let's read 6, 7, and 8. The officers shall say to the army, Has anyone built a new house and not dedicated it? Let him go home, or he may die in battle and someone else may dedicate it. Has anyone planted a vineyard and not begun to enjoy it? Let him go home, or he may die in battle and someone else enjoy it. Has anyone become pledged to a woman and not married her? Let him go home, or he may die in battle and someone else marry her. Then the officers shall add, is any man afraid or faint-hearted? Let him go home so that his brothers will not become disheartened also. The effectiveness of a soldier is determined by his love of the Lord, says Joshua 23, verses 10 and 11. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God He is that fighteth for you as He promised you. Take heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. God has historically used the military of certain nations to discipline Israel and the nations. Assyria destroyed Israel. Babylon destroyed Judah. Persia destroyed Babylon. Greece destroyed Persia. Rome subjugated Greece. And the United States disciplined both Nazi Germany and Japan. And it goes on and on. When the Israelites entered the promised land, her election to embrace the idolatrous practices of the indigenous peoples rather than destroy them brought horrific discipline. Notice Judges chapter 5 verse 8. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? War is cruel, but losing a war is doubly cruel. After being defeated by Babylon, Zedekiah, king of Judah, saw his son killed, and they put out Zedekiah's eyes and led him as a prisoner to Babylon. Jeremiah 39, verses 4 through 7. And it came to pass that when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, saw them and all the men of war, then they fled and went forth out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden, by the gate betwixt the two walls. And he went out the way of the plain. But the Chaldean's army pursued after them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains. Women suffered greatly during war. Notice Isaiah 3 verses 24, 25, and 26. And it came to pass that instead of sweet smell, there'll be stink. And instead of a girdle, a rent. And instead of a well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a stomacher, a, stomacher, a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. Thy men shall fall by the sword, and thy mighty end the war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. Warfare demands stability and courage. For this reason the priest spoke to the troops before they went into battle. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1 reading through verse 5. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and see as horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be, when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies, let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be terrified. For the Lord your God is He that goeth with you to fight for you. Against your enemies He will save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. Draft dodgers are evil. It is their sin that God will not overlook. God has, God has deserved a special discipline for draft dodgers. Numbers 32, 6, reading through verse 11. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given thee. Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For they went went up into the valley of Eskol and saw the land. They discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord God had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time. And he swears, saying, Surely none of the men, none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upwards shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. God said the land rested because of successful military victories. Joshua 11.23 so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to the divisions by their tribes and the land rested from war. Jesus Christ wins the last battle of the Armageddon campaign and saves Israel from destruction. Revelation 19.21 and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceed out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And of course, that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. God will protect the mature believer even in time of war. Job 5, verse 20. In famine he shall redeem thee from death and in war from the power of the sword. So great Old Testament warriors performed expertly because they had doctrine in their souls. And the anonymous writer of the book of Hebrews has recorded in 1134, because of their faith, these men quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Proverbs says that wisdom is needed for war. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice make war. Jesus himself, as we've already noted, is described as a warrior. Notice Joshua 5, 13, 14, and 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the host or the lord of the armies, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face face to the earth and did worship And said, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's army said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereupon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. The Bible taught Israel that war is hell, and complete destruction of the enemy is the way to wage war. Deuteronomy 2. Beginning in verse 32, reading through verse 34, When Sihon and all his armies came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz, the Lord our God delivered him over to us, and we struck him down, together with his sons and his whole army. At that time we took all his towns and completely destroyed them. Men, women, and children, we left no survivors. Deuteronomy 3, 3, 4, and 5. And we'll read verse 6. So the Lord our God also gave unto our hands all the king of Bashan and all his army. We struck them down, leaving no survivors. At that time we took all his cities. There was not one of the 60 cities that we did not take. The whole region of of, of Argal, Ogs a kingdom in Bashan. All these cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars and there was also a great many unwalled villages. We completely destroyed them as we had done with Sihon king of Hashban destroying every city, men, women, and children. Joshua in chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 we'll read through verse 25, the adventures of, of course, uh, the city of Jericho. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. Joshua said to the men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out, and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. That would be Rahab. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought her entire family out. And they put them in, put the family in a place outside the camp of Israel where, would, where they would be safe. Then they burned the whole city and everything in. it, But they put the silver and gold and all the articles of bronze and iron into the treasure of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared, of course, Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men of Joshua. And, of course, the men who had been sent as spies to Jericho, of course, well, I could tell you a whole story about that, but I'm going to leave that out. Let's go to First Samuel 15, 2 and 3. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. And then first Samuel with reference to David and his men when they raided the Isherites. Now David and his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerizites, and the Amalekites. From ancient times, these people had lived in the land extending to Shur all the way to Egypt. So verse Samuel 27.9 says, where David, or whatever David attacked, better said, whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive but took the sheep and cattle, donkeys and camels, and clothes. And then he returned to his home base, in this case being Achish. Alright, 1 Kings 20, verse 28, 29, and 30. The men of God came up and told the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says, because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys. I will deliver this vast army into your hands, and you will know that I am the Lord. For seven days they camped opposite each other, and on the seventh day the battle was joined. The Israelites inflicted a 100,000 casualties on the Armenian Armenian foot soldiers in one day. The rest of them escaped to the city of Afek, where the wall collapsed on 27,000 of them. And been had led to the city and hid in an inner room. The book of the Revelation, of course, is uh, replete with stories about what will happen in the last days. And uh I'm going to read you several scriptures that describe the events of the Revelation in the last days. Let's look at Revelation 14. 14, reading through verse 20, and you'll get an idea of what the Lord will do when He returns. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle. And reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it unto the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress, winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs, you can read all about this, of course, in uh, our WestBankBibleChurch.com study of the Book of the Revelation in Revelation chapter fourteen, and then also in Revelation chapter nineteen, when the Lord returns and to deliver His people Israel, nineteen eleven, and reading through verse twenty-one outline those blessed events when Israel is saved from the armies of the world. And then I want to read you Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 and what will happen uh, when the Lord does indeed return and uh, the judgment of the unbelievers occurs. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him unto the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set us seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season, and I saw thrones, Best and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And then Satan is doomed in the scriptures describes it. Revelation 20 verse 7, reading through verse 15. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went out on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, that would be the Lord Jesus. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So, so much then for the doctrine of war, part two. I think you can see from our study of what will happen before the great white throne is that unbelievers will be judged according to, not their sins. Why? Because Christ took care of all the sins of the world. But rather they will be judged based upon the things that they have done that they think will justify them going into heaven rather than hell. But that's not the way it's going to be. As the Scripture says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So if you're out there and you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I recommend strongly you do that right now. Just simply tell God the Father, I'm believing on God the Son, and on the promise of the Word you will be saved. Remember, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on His name. I'll pause for just a moment and then close with the benediction. Pausing so that you'll have time right now to tell God the Father, I am believing on God the Son. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of knowing what the Bible has to say about war and how important it is for a nation to abide by the rules and regulations found in the Scripture. Now, guide and direct us, and certainly I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have taught this evening. Make it real in order that we might grow in Your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.